Welcome along to the Make Life Work podcast with me, Cy Jobling. I'm a software engineering manager, father of two, and in any spare time, I try to work on a variety of side projects, including communities and podcasts. Based on all this, I like to share my thoughts and experiences with fellow people from around tech about how we all try to find a balance for day jobs, life, and any side projects. For the seventh season of the podcast, we're continuing the project-specific format from season six. By diving into their projects, we hope to uncover some of the tips and tricks everyone uses to make them happen, so you lovely listeners can learn from our experiences to complete your own side hustles. This week, we're joined by Mubusha Iqbal, commonly known as Mubs, a serial side project maker living in New York, USA. Mubs has always fascinated me with all the side projects he's made over the years. Apparently, he's now got over 100 in his portfolio. It was following the success of his founder path side projects turning into his main job that I was keen to get him along to talk about how that journey went, so ideally we can all learn some tricks from him. As a family man, he's also worked out a great balance to keep everyone happy. This is Making Founder Path with Mubs. So, welcome along, Mubs. How are you? Yep, good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. It's uh, Thursday for me. I don't, obviously, it's the same for you, but different time zones. Yep, yeah, in New York, so it's just gone 12 o'clock here. Got it. So lunchtime for you, end of the day, dinner time for me. Um, <laughs> depending on where you're from, tea time for some people in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good to catch up with you anyway. Um, and thank you for joining us on the Make Life Work podcast. Um, I've long been a follower and admirer of your work, so it's fascinating to get you involved. And hopefully we'll find some interesting things about you. I hope I'm interesting. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there will be, as we get into the detail, of obviously, later on. Before we get into everything, it'd be great to hear your sort of backstory. What got you into tech and some of the highlights maybe from the past few years, let's say. Uh, so I've been in, interested in tech for a really long time. So uh, I think my family got, you know, I think it was a VIC-20 or something. It's a Commodore VIC-20 when I was about eight years old. Um, primarily it was bought for my siblings, um, but I was eight and all my siblings were a little bit older, And but I was the one who used it all the time. <laughs> so, yep. so starting about eight was when I started just hacking around with code and playing video games and, and so all that kind of stuff. And so it just kind of stuck with me. Uh, I was, you know, interested in, in sort of high school, went to uh university and studied computer science that led me into the internet i got i got really hooked onto the internet uh my first job out of um out out of university was on on the internet back in 1996 yeah um and so just been interested in that space ever since um gave me the opportunity to move out to california uh, was in San Francisco during like the f- the real first internet heyday and stuff like that. So uh, got got sucked into the startup scene for a while. Uh, went went into agency life more recently. Uh, well, I spent the last probably fifteen years in agency life, um, okay. and then over the last couple of years, I've uh, been working at Founderpath. Uh, which is a company that's uh, based out of Austin, but that's that's kind of startup life now again. Hmm. <laughs> So that was a real fast whistle-stop tour of your last 20-odd <laughs> years, 25 years, I think you were saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, started when I was about eight, but really professionally, I started working in 19... 19- 
96. Sure. Uh, so, and, and been working on kind of startups and, and sort of the web and, and kind of internet that, that sort of whole time. Fair play. And I, I like how, I mean, I, I completely relate to that Vic 20 moment. I think we had a Commodore 64, which is virtually the same right. thing, right? Slightly different brand. And yeah, like you coding, got into it and got hooked. And then in the sort of the late nineties, the internet was coming out. You're like, Hey, this is a new media form. I like where this is going. And yeah. And then like you say, the history was made at that point by, yep. by the sound of it for you. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of, kind of on, on kind of accident in terms of like, nobody knew what the internet was going to be or anything like that, but it, it sounded interesting. And, and the first job, you know, out of, out of university, I wanted something interesting. I didn't, I didn't want to go work at big, you know, big stuffy, company and stuff like that so i mm. uh, ended up working at a little, really small it, it was actually funny it was actually an, it was actually an australian company that was operating in the uk um kind of at the time uh and then after about uh six months to a year of me working there they decided they were going to move from australia to san francisco which is when they offered me the option to kind of move to san francisco as well um, and then that was a real start of my, my sort of online work and, and all these kind of side hustles and things like that I've been doing ever since. I think, I think had I stayed in England, I, I don't know if I would have been quite as active and quite as uh, prolific as I have been. <laughs> True. And I, like you say, I, obviously you've got the English background, but you've been yeah. in the States, as we were saying in the pre, pre-recordings, for like the last 25 years, really. So yes. that must have been a huge inspiration for you, being surrounded by such amazing potential, I guess. Yeah, and I, and I, like I said, luckily I was in San Francisco during that that first internet uh, really big boom that happened. Met a lot of people, really interesting people with lots of different skills. Uh, you know, you kind of got exposed to design, front end, back end engineers, all of that kind of, stuff. and also just like the entrepreneurs as well. Like I think that's what I would have missed had I been in England. I mean, I think there's lots of really talented, smart people in 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 England. A lot of people I still work with actually still live in England as well now. Um, but that sort of entrepreneurial spirit, I think, is really something that's quite unique to the states. Uh, yes, there's there's kind of a few of those people sort of over in England too, but there's mm. just lots of them over here. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, and especially in those sort of hives of it, like, like Silicon Valley yes. and New York and the, the, the coastal areas as well. Yes. You you're probably drawn to that by the sound of it, and the fact that you were going to be surrounded by innovative entrepreneurial yes. mindsets that will inspire you in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I was always, like I said, I was, since I started, you know, hacking on computers and stuff, well, since I was, I was always interested in new technology, new things. And, mm. and being in San Francisco, that's, you know, San Francisco and Silicon Valley, everything's new there. I mean, every, sort of every few years, they, they kind of reinvent kind of what's new. You know, we, originally it was the semiconductor industry, and mm. then it moved to the internet, and then e-commerce, and then, you know, now it's like, web three and nfts and and sort of all of that sort of online stuff as well so it's all it just seems to it's it always seems to spark itself uh and kind of re in in itself as well so you know now that we've kind of got into a more connected world and more online world we don't need to be there anymore um but but it's still nice to kind of see a lot of that stuff's happening there and we can kind of tap into it as well now fair point fair point um and obviously, you know, you, you've spent a lot of time innovating in your own space. And I've always seen you as like this side project hustler, or I don't know how to phrase it. You've always <laughs> been involved in side projects. Do you want to tell us about some of your favorite highlights through the past sort of 20 odd years? But, you know, what, what, what stands out for you? 
Yeah, and, and again, this also kind of happened by accident too. But in terms of like, because back when 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 I started, I think I had my first, I built my first side project probably in like two thousand and one, and so nobody knew what side projects were back then. Nobody knew what a side hustle was. It just wasn't a thing. Um, but um, I, mean, I started off just you know, it was just like I, I was I was I was in I was in Eng, I was in the U.S., but I still had this interest in English soccer and things like that so my first project was just something to track the results of all of the the football matches that were on mm-hmm. um and who was going to be playing who and when they were going to be playing and and so you know obviously being in england all of that stuff's on the tv and in the newspapers and everything and everybody's t- talking about that being in the u.s I, w- I was kind of cut off from that so it was very hard to kind of stay up to date with kind of what was happening and who was playing and, and kind of what all the scores were and everything like that so that in back in 2001 i built an online website that kind of automated that for me and like pulled in all the scores and and uh and so that was like my first little exposure to it. i was just building something for myself that that i could use and and kind of keep up to date with that and then it just kind of spun out of that every time i had something a thought like that i, I just ended up building something new um mm. and i think yeah over the year i mean i've i've crossed I've well over a hundred side projects now over the last twenty years, but um, but it, but it all—I mean, it all just started from that like first, like that need of something to to kind of have that I could build that I didn't really want anybody else. Then you know, nobody else was building those things kind of at the time, um, and then and then I think eventually over the years it turned into more of a hey, you know, there's this new technology, there's this new library, there's this new language. I want to I want to experiment with. Why don't I build something with it? So I can learn and and kind of see kind of how things work and and then I can apply it to my startup or my agency or whatever it is as well. So that kind of turned into that. Um, in terms of highlights, though, I think uh, I think the the sort of biggest project in terms of like people might have heard of it and you know, I've had random cons- con- conversations with people and they've been oh you know and they're like I I saw that when it launched and um, so I in in I think it was 2017 I built. Um, uh, with a friend of mine from Bulgaria, uh, you know, more of this online random people that you meet. But yeah, um, I built a website called Will Robots Take My Job? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was a quick, like, two-weekend project that that, that we had. Um, and in, like, the first week, it had 4 million page views. I insane. <laughs> It just went kind of nuts. It was just, it was at the right time. There was a lot of, you know, there, there was a lot of interest about like AI and robotics. Like, are they going to take everybody's work? Is, you know, how much automation is going to happen and things like that. And so we launched this project. We put it up on Hacker News. We put it on Product Hunt. Um, and then that afternoon it landed on like the homepage of MSN and and kind of things like that. So um, it was it was like it was a very simple website to build. It was very easy to to kind of put out there, and was really surprised about how <laughs> how much interest it kind of pulled. Um, so that was really cool one. Um, and then yeah, I think so, I think over years in terms of other side projects and things are things that I've helped other people with. Like um, mm-hmm. sort of over the years, I've built uh, a content management system called Statomic. Oh yeah, uh, which is now in like version three, I think. Um, I'm not involved with it anymore, but you know, it's it's got like four people working on it. It's used by some pretty large. I think Asana uses it for their website, nice. and um, Spiegel over in Germany uses it for their uh, website as well. So it's, it's kind of used a lot. 
Um, I worked with a um, couple of people from south of England, actually, uh, on Q, so Q-U-U-U.co. Um, uh, it's kind of a social media content uh, tool. Um, there's probably about eight people working on that now as well. Um, you know, I kind of helped those, yeah, helped to get those started. Um, and then most recently, like FounderPath itself started as a, as kind of a side project, side hustle thing. Uh, mm. and now for the last 18 months or so, it's been my, uh, all time thing. That's a perfect segue as well. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just want to touch on a couple of things before we move on your, um, your football side project that came out of a personal yeah. passion. Uh, obviously that yeah. was your main motivator. So I completely relate with that. So I think I created like a world cup calendar using micro formats. It was like a new concept back in 2006. Right. So you know what, let's just mash the two together and see what happens. And like you, I think a few people got wind of it, shoved it in the press and it just, the traffic went through the roof. I couldn't, I was like yes. flabbergasted personally. <laughs> But it, it personally, it was like, I made something for me, not for you. I'm just glad everyone else enjoyed it now. That's, <laughs> I, was, I was quite young and naive as well at the time. It's like, what's all this about? So I get that. It's it's amazing, though, how viral things can go when you don't even try it to be. It's, yes. it, um, it fascinates me that, you know, people think they can make something viral. This is, right. this is the beauty of viral. It happens naturally. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think often when you try and make this go viral, that's when it falls flat on its face too, right? Like, I mean, like, yeah. you, I think people can tell like that you're really, you know, one, you can build something for yourself and, and people can see your interest and your passion kind of in that thing versus if you just try and do something for the sake of, I want to just try and get this to be popular and I don't really care about the thing that I'm working on. I think, I think people see through that quite easily, mm. I think. I think yeah, society's getting a little bit more aware of this as well. We're not we're not as fickle as we used to be. Yes. But it's a great segue. So let's talk about Founder Path. You mentioned it that started about eighteen months ago. Can you tell us about what it actually is um, and where it came about from as well? Yeah. Um, so what it is right now is is a, a new way to to give uh, uh, founders of SaaS companies access to c- capital. So um, so in the past, if you ran a if you ran a a startup or a, or a company of any kind if you if you needed to go you know if you if you need some funding to go spend on you know marketing sales hire people what whatever it happened to be the, the sort of only options that you had were to go to a venture capital company and sell some percent of your shares and then and hopefully you know, you can find a vc who's kind of interested in that and so so we found there was a lot of people who had um you know somewhat good stable businesses that they wanted to go and kind of help expand and they didn't really want to work in that vc space in terms of when they didn't want to uh sell any of their shares they didn't want to uh, establish a board and then you know have like monthly meetings or quarterly meetings or whatever it was and all that kind of stuff but you know banks didn't really understand them in terms of you're an online SaaS company we don't understand that like what's your revenue where's your customers they're like well you know they're all over the world the, mm-hmm. you know people just don't understand that um, so what FounderPath allows you to do is connect your uh, subscription platform that you use, so Stripe, Chargebee, Chargeify, et cetera. Um, so we then analyze your historical uh, subscriber information. So we know how long people have been your customers. We know what your LTV is, your lifetime value of your customers. We understand your retention rates, your churn rates, all those kind of things. And based on that, we can say, look, we know how healthy and stable your business is. 
we can just loan you some money based on the sort of assets you have in your assets are your are your customers uh, mm. and so we don't take any equity we don't we don't uh we don't want we don't want any personal guarantees or anything like that um and so yeah so for some for some percentage interest rate effectively uh we can we can we can loan uh founders some money that they can use however they want to to grow their um their company very cool and it's nice that you've used your knowledge from the industry especially from your years of experience how to evaluate the risk attached to that loan with real metrics that are actually relevant to what you do as well yeah and so um, i mean i i mean i've got some exposure to that and so i know some of that stuff but um so it started with i the the company's actually started by somebody called nathan Hacker who runs, who has actually a very popular podcast. Uh, it's just called The Top, where he basically interviews founders mm-hmm. of, of fast-growing SaaS companies. And so he's been doing that for about five years, I think. And so right. he's interviewed probably a few thousand founders. Wow. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's been doing it for a while. And, and but, you know, like, also interviewing people that weren't very big but are now, like uh, you know the guys from Zoom, the guys from uh, ConvertKit, and and so yeah. you know all of the sort of large SaaS companies that you know now. He interviewed them when they were like uh, a year old. So he he's, he's he so he kind of tapped into them and he knows all the things that they were interested in, all the things that they were looking at in terms of how do you build a stable, successful kind of SaaS company. Uh, so he really understands entry way better than I do, but he doesn't know how to write code. <laughs> so, so yeah, so we got introduced by uh, 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 by an acquaintance of ours. Um, so he had this idea, like he'd spoken to a lot of the sort of founders who were really c- c- complaining about not having access to capital in, in the sort of way that some other l- larger established companies do. Um, spoke to me about it and we kind of, you know, we kind of figured out like what we could build and how we could, you know, how we could automate a lot of that stuff. Because obviously you can do a lot of this stuff manually in terms mm-hmm. of like looking at people's accounts and seeing how you can kind of analyze what their historical expenses are and, and things like that. And we were like, well, that's not very efficient. We can't really scale that up uh, p- particularly well. And so we've gone from zero to, I believe, at last count, we have about $13 million out now. Um, uh, And uh, we're we're hoping to get, you know, much north of 25, 30 million by the end of the year uh, because we've been able to use the software that we built to really streamline and kind of optimize uh, kind of how it all works. I mean, success story, unsuccess story by the sound of it. You know, you kind of used that platform with Nathan and all his background as well. And then your technical understanding as well and just merged the two into some super product now. So you you talked about how you've collaborated with Nathan on this product, this founder path. Um, Can you tell us a bit about your, the tech stack behind the scenes? Because I think this is what's going to fascinate some of our audience. Like, how do you make something so rapidly let's say not quickly but rapidly yeah i mean uh, i i try even though i like new things and i like um i like shiny objects and i get attracted to shiny objects like a lot of people do um you know i try and like really keep those for like the fun weekend hackathon you know hacking kind of 
project, right? And that's why I do a lot of those as well. But but when it comes to something like building Q and building Founder Path and building Statomic and things like that, those those things that I know could have the potential for being like a long term thing. That that the point isn't to to play with the tech. The point the point is to build something and launch something really fast so that you can mm -hmm. get, so it can be on the market and then you can kind of see how the market likes it and things like that. For a lot of that stuff, I I stick to stuff that I know really well. Um, sure. and so because I've been coding for a long time, you know, I know, I know a lot of languages really well, fortunately, but most of my tech stack these days, I stick to very boring vanilla. Like I use PHP on the back end. Uh, nice. you know, it means I can host it. There's like a million places I can host it. I don't have to find a special hosting for it. Um, I, you know, I use the Laravel PHP framework, which is really popular, but it also comes with a lot of stuff, right? Like I don't have to build authentication. I don't have to build data migration tools. You know, it comes with migration. It comes with authentication. Uh, it's got hosting set up. You know, I, I use the, the forge service from Taylor Otwell, uh, who's the, who's the, who's the author of, of Laravel, which means that I can I can write my code really quickly, point and click essentially to set up a server and have it hosted within 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 hours. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I've gone from yeah, you know, I've I mean I've done a lot of hackathons over the years too, where you literally just stay up all night and just kind of launch launch stuff and you can make it. But 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 also I've had ideas in the past where just working at home on my own, I've gone from idea empty and so empty canvas and launched something in production within eight hours yep and that's that's the beauty of knowing your, your frameworks as well isn't it the languages that you've learned over the years i'm yep. i'm a fellow php fan for my sins i know some of the people <laughs> might sneer out there but like you say with the frameworks out there why waste your time you know if you just want to get a product to market use what you got if you want to learn new tech take your time Right, and and I, like I said, it depends entirely on what what your side project idea is. Obviously, if you're in the Web three space, you want to do something with machine learning or something like that, then you're going to have to learn JavaScript or Python or, or something yeah. like that. But then you're not going to launch anything in in sort of eight hours, right? You're gonna you're gonna spend two or three weeks just learning what the hell this new ecosystem is before you can actually build the thing that you actually want to what to build as well. And um, yeah, and then so obvious. That's what's always kind of surprised people a, a little bit. They're like, "Well, you built that in PHP." I'm like, "Yeah, like I don't think the people using the product really care. Like all the founders nope. that come to FounderPath don't don't care that it's using PHP on the back end. They're still going to access a website, and whether that's in JavaScript or you know Next or whatever, they they could care less. Um, and I think most people. I mean, I I mean, I I think that always surprises people. Is like, well. Do you care what Facebook is written in? Because it's written yeah. in PHP. <laughs> exactly. And they are probably the best one example to call out, really, aren't they? Well, even Yahoo originally was written in PHP as well. So, you know, sort of yep. the, the sort of giants of their era, even AOL, like all of their all of their WordPress blogs, all of, all of the blogs that were popular inside of AOL were all on WordPress as well. Um, yeah. and so, you know, PHP has been around for a reason, like it, 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 it does the job. Um, mm -hmm. and as long as, as long as you're concerned about getting the job done, um, then the sort of tech tech ultimately t t t doesn't really, it shouldn't concern you really. 
Um, and uh, and yeah, and I that's you know, and, and actually, like you said, once you've built something once with it, the second one just becomes so much easier. And and so and so now, yeah, I can I can I can knock ideas out uh, in 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 sort of hours now. <laughs> That's that. I mean, testament to your, your your mindset. Really, is like using that skill and just go. Got an idea and I ship it by the end of the day. And <laughs> like, wow, people go that blows out mind sometimes. You know, I'm not going to learn a new stack. I don't want to care about the new tech. I just want to make something and see the result by the end of the day. Well, yeah. I mean, ultimately, if you don't launch something, then you know, like, what's the point? I, I've I've spoken to a bunch of people who are like, I'm really struggling launching my side project, and you know, and they and they and then they walk me through like. Well, first I started with Next, and that didn't work. So I moved to Express, and that didn't work. I'm like, yeah, but why? Why did you even try that in the first place? Like, what's 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 your skill set? What what's the thing that you've been coding with at your day job for the last ten years? Why mm. didn't you use that? <laughs> you know, it's just like, um, and and I think people just like I said. I mean, I I understand it. Like I said, like I said at the beginning, I like shiny objects. I love to explore new things. Mm-hmm. But but you really have to un- but you have to ask ask yourself like why are you building this thing? Are, are you are you building it to learn something new, which is a really good reason to to kind of have it out there? Like you know, but then it's going to take your time, and I think people have to understand mm-hmm. that. But if you're like, well, I really like this site hustle, I like this idea, I think I can make some money from it, then new tech is kind of just keep it out of your mind and just like build with with what you understand. Totally. I completely concur with you on that. There's two goals here. I want to get something to market. I want to learn right. something. Those two don't go in hand in hand very well, unfortunately. Right. And and like I said, it's kind of okay if you want to learn something. And you never know what's going to hit either in terms of like what's going to become popular and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you know, at, at the end of the day, you have to ship. <laughs> right. Really? So whatever helps you ship fastest, that's that's usually what I, I sort of like to kind of uh, kind of stick with. I, I like that mentality. Um, so can you talk me through your typical working day? Because it sounds like there is no such thing as a typical day. But <laughs> sort of the, the things that you might do throughout a typical week then, or if it's a real mix. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it kind of it depends on like, I mean, I, I, I tend to... I, I tend to use my energy however I feel like using my energy. And I mm. think I think that's the sort of thing that I, I've been really, I, th- I, sh- I should say I've been really fortunate. So as well as being on the sort of early internet train and, and, and you know, being, you know, being part of the web and stuff, in about 2000, in the summer of 2000, I got my first remote job. So again, way long before COVID and everybody doing the whole remote thing, I got very lucky in that I was leaving New York City um, and I was interviewing at a few places to kind of see where, where, where I might be working. And one of the companies in New York, even though I told them I was leaving New York, they offered me a job. And I was like, well, I'm leaving New York. And they said, well, that's okay. You can leave New York and still come work for us. Uh, which, like I said, back in 2000 was kind of un, un, un kind of heard of. And mm-hmm. But it kind of broke the shackles of the nine to five. Uh, like I didn't have to like travel to an office. I didn't have to like sit at a table from nine to five. I didn't have to do my work and then I'd have to leave. And and so I kind of got to set my own schedule and work whenever I wanted to on whatever I wanted to when I felt like working on it. And so nice. I, I got into the mindset of like, I got a list of things I need to do. 
I can do them at you know eight o'clock in the morning if I want to. I can do them at six o'clock at night if I want to, or eleven o'clock at night if I want to. And so this idea of like just using your energy whenever you have the energy for something, when you're when when you feel like working on something, work on it. And when you don't feel like working on something, find something else to work on instead. Um, so my workday is very sporadic in that um, I'll wake up some. So part of my schedule is uh, controlled by my kids though based on like if they're at school then i've got like a school schedule i have to you know i have to help them in the mornings and get ready for school we kind of hang out once they get home after work and things like that um but but in terms of my work schedule i'm obviously you have mm, meetings and things that you have to attend and things like that so that's you know that's just kind of happens and you kind of have to accept it um but in terms of the actual work some days I'll wake up at sort of eight, you know, I'll start work at eight o'clock in the morning and just work for a few hours and get all of my like founder path stuff kind of finished because I know I have a letter, a list of things that I have to do. I'll just run mm-hmm. through them because I'm just in that mindset. I'm in that mood and I just want to run through it and just kind of have it all out the way. And then mm-hmm. in the afternoon, I'll just be like, I feel like tinkering on something else. <laughs> and so nice. I'll just find, I'll find something else to work on. And whether it's a side project or something to do with founder path, that it wasn't on my list of things that I'm supposed to be working on, but it's just, it's just something that I'm interested in, something I'm curious about. Um, but it's just not something I had to do. Uh, so I'm kind of interested in it in, instead. Um, and then, and then some days it's the other way around, right? Like I wake up in the morning. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to think about SAS and, and retention rates and, and cohorts <laughs> yeah. and things like that. I just don't want to think about that. So I'll go, I'll go work on one of my side projects instead, but then I'll feel, I'll feel like energized. Cause I just, I did something fun. I did something interesting. You know, I'll sit down after lunch and be like, right, I've got this stuff I need to do for founder path. And I'll just run through that instead. So I, that flexibility of being able to, to kind of work on, on what you feel like working on and not being mm. shackled to, oh shit, I'm at the office. I got to do office work now. You know, I mean, I think um, that was, the, I think that was like, so I got, I got, I got lucky there as well. I wasn't planning on doing the whole remote thing. Um, but that just opened up one. It just opened up more time as well. Like I didn't waste an hour every day on the train in a car or something like that. And so I just now all of a sudden had like, two extra hours a day that's an extra 20 percent that you just didn't have previously if you need help with your side project either for inspiration support or just general feedback remember to join our on the side community on slack there are a number of previous guests from the podcast in there including sam hardacre mike street dom hodgson and mark lismore pop on over to onthesidenetwork which will take you straight through to registration and I'll see you in there. You may, I mean, you mentioned the kids. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But the fact that you, you're not bound by the nine to fives, as you, as you call out, you, you have got your flexibility around that space. But equally, you've got goals every day. It's not like you kind of just going, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll just pick up what is next. You have go, well, I do need to do some founder path stuff at some point, but I'm not in the mood this morning. I want to get all some, do some fun stuff, which will energize me. And then I will do that stuff because I've got the better mindset. And having that flexibility must be so liberating for you. I mean, you do, I mean, I, I know a lot of people that tried to do the remote thing and, and, and they just failed because they just didn't have the having, having the, the sort of nine to five and being in the office kind of forced them to do the work. 
but when when they were at home in front of you know on sort of in their living room sat with their laptops on sort of on on their laps and and watching tv they found that they didn't actually do any work okay <laughs> because because nobody was there watching them um and and so you do you know you do have to have that structure i mean i i've i've had a separate office that i use all the time when i'm working i'm at work when I'm upstairs watching TV, I'm upstairs watching TV. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at work. Kind of, kind of at that point as well. So you do have to have some structure, um, and you do have to have that that self discipline to know. Look, yes, I don't have to work nine to five. I don't have to work specific hours, but I have things I need to get accomplished. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I did feel a little bit. I did feel a little bit bad when when I first started doing the remote work because I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm getting all this stuff done in in a few hours. I feel like I'm like cheating my 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 employer in terms of like I'm not spending eight hours a day working on this stuff, and so I felt kind of bad. But then I you know I sat down, and thought about it for a bit, and I was like, when I'm when I'm at the office though, I don't really work eight hours, right? Like, you go to the cooler, or you know, the water cooler, you go make a coffee, you go you talk around, you stand around for twenty minutes talking to other people. You're not actually working eight hours a day anyway, and then you go and leave for lunch, and you have a long lunch and. And then you go leave in the afternoon to grab another coffee from Starbucks or whatever, you know. I'm just like, so really, when even when you're at the office, even though you know, even though you're bound to the nine to five, you're actually still only productive for three or four hours a day at max. Totally. Um, and so, if I'm Mac, if I'm productive at home for three or four hours, I've got another three or four hours where I can do whatever the heck I want to. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, and yeah, don't feel bad about it. Like you're still getting the things that you need to get done still get finished on time. Um, and if, and if that's, if that's what you can aim for, then I think, I think you should be happy with that too. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, you, you reminded me actually, I think back in the day when I was in the office with some engineering teams, um, we do some estimation around some work and we could, we'd work it out and go, realistically, we're going to do about four hours a day out of eight, right. Of actual productive time. So yes. back to that into your estimations, not the fact that, Oh yeah, it's going to take two or three days. Yeah. Okay. So double that because literally you're going to do four hours of work a day. Um, but you're right. And I think if you can get things done in that time, why waste it? You know what I mean? But it also gives you a bit of a buffer. You can go, you know what? I can go a bit above and beyond now. I've got a bit of extra time to do something cool for you. Or you've, you've given me some capacity to do some extra research or whatever it might be, or have some downtime and feel better about myself rather than slogging away and stressing about the timelines. So it sounds like you've got a lovely, environment and time boxed element to what you do every day now yeah i I mean and 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 also just having the flexibility of the schedule right like if i need to leave the house and go spend time with the kids or take the kids to the to the pediatrician or whatever it is i can do that and then i'll come home at night and work instead like i'll just make up that time and 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 having that option and having that flexibility to set your own schedule um, and, and keep your mental health as well. I think that's one of the things that you just mentioned. I think that's really, I think a lot of people didn't really consider the sort of the drag of just like being, you know, like the commute to work kind of starts your day off fully. And then it's yep. just like, it, it's not, it's not, you, you, you don't feel energized when you arrive at work because you're just like, you just have the, the sort of life sucked out. You just to get to the office in sort <laughs> yeah. of in the first place. Um, and now, you know, my commute is like, 20 seconds you know like i can roll out of bed and be working 
20 seconds after I wake up if I want to. It doesn't happen very often. <laughs> but, but, but no. you know, if there was an emergency or <laughs> something, I <laughs> Technically possible, but probably logistically not. Yeah, yes, you still need to make coffee and, and wake up and, <laughs> and, and collect yeah, all work that what's kind of going stuff. on for the day. Right. No, that's, that's cool, man. That's cool. And you've mentioned the kids a few times now. So you, yeah. you're a family man. And obviously, yes. I imagine they're at school. Uh, so yeah, I have I have one kid who's in their final year of high school now, uh, wow. and one one who's uh, um, four years young, younger than that now. So uh, I've been wow. through the whole like uh, young kid and trying to do side projects and hustling at the same time. And now they're at school. Now it's much easier because they have their own friends and they do their own thing as well. So it's just kind of opened up my uh, my sort of options again. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I actually that's a good point because I think I was similar when I had my first one. I was in my twenties and I was really into my side projects, but realistically, I was burning the candle at both ends, and it was yes. and work was suffering in the consequence as well. So I would be yes. neglecting my real day job and focusing on the side projects rather than my kid and my job. <laughs> but it's only on hindsight I can go, yeah, I need to stop that and reassess. But you, yeah, so you've now got two elders, which give you a bit yes. more capacity to do the fun stuff, like you mentioned. Yes. No, I mean, and now that they're all, I mean, still, I mean, in many ways, it's it's much easier. Now they can, they text me from time to time, not not as much as I'd like to as being a parent and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but the, yeah, but they're, you know, they, they get onto the school bus in the morning and then I've got my day free and then they come home and they still have homework and things like that to do as well. So, you know, I use their homework time to kind of do some work on my side projects and, and kind of things like that too. Um, and then, yeah. And then, and then, you know, once, once they're finished, you know, we'll still, you know, we, 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 we've made, we've made the point of, uh, every day, you know, as much as you can based on schedules and things like that, but we still eat dinner as a family together and, and kind of things like that. So we still have some things that we keep, uh, we keep that root routine, even though now the kids leave home at different times, they get back at different times because of the way that the school system sure. works here. Um, but, but then we kind of make that time to make sure that we all sit around the t table and, and kind of make sure we have the conversations about how was your day and, and kind of what have you been up to and all that kind of fun stuff as well. But it, but then, like I said, now that they, they do have their own friends and their own schedule and stuff, you know, I can, I can now work my schedule uh, a little bit more freely now and, and kind of have the works thing and, but, 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 but also do the side project thing. Um, and it's also been interesting now, you know, like I, I haven't forced my kids like to like coding like I did or anything like that, but, uh, but we, we've now, you know, I, 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 they're 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 very more much more artistic than I am, uh, because right. my wife is um is is more artistic than I am, um. But so I've tried to rope them into like, I'm building this website. Do you think I should use this color or should I use this color for the logo and the you know? So right. I've tried to expose them to building a website without them necessarily having to do like the work of coding and things like that, just to show them that you can do this kind of thing even if you don't want to become a coder like i am <laughs> and it's great that you're exposing them to what you do because i was speaking to dan moore in a previous episode and he was saying similar he's got very young kids but right. he had a commitment and he wanted to, the kids to realize you know i'm writing a book i've got a deadline um dad's going to be a bit busy tonight so you know right. do something else and we'll catch up for the weekend but by getting them realizing that you've got these commitments or other things that you like to enjoy doing might spark some inspiration in them and some discipline going forward as well 
and it's been interesting you know i think for them especially because i work from home as well they're 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 yeah. you know when they're a little bit younger it's a little bit confusing for them they're like dad you're home how can you be working like you know i speak to you know when when they speak to their friends it's like well my dad you know works at some office somewhere they're like but my dad works <laughs> yeah. from home city boy or something like that yeah <laughs> right. so it was it was i mean but because i had that separate like office i was it was literally like if the door's closed i'm working like i'm i'm at the office at that point so it was kind of helpful for, for them to understand that um, and then, yeah, over the years, I mean, like, you know, I've showed them like when we did the whole when when I did the whole Will Robots project, it was kind of crazy because they would just see it in random places because it was on <laughs> it was on it was on like random TV stations. It was in newspapers and all sorts of things like that as well. So I would kind of show them a few of the the, the sort of snippets and things. And I, I would share some links around and things like that. They were like, well, that's mm -hmm. on MSN. Like, I know what MSN is. Um, and and kind of kind of kind of kind of stuff like that. So it was kind of it was cool to kind of have them be kind of exposed to all that stuff as well. Totally, and and actually a bit of pride in there as well. It's like, look, yeah. look, kids, I made that, and uh, you could do something like that in the future as well. You know, I think I'm trying to find it now where I put it, but um, one of the most uh, not inspirational, one 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 of my proudest moments in terms of side projects and things like was that was in 2016 I won the product hunt maker of the year award. And so, you know, I mean, it doesn't sound particularly fancy to like, you know, like in sort of a sort of eight, eight year old or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but then once I won the award, uh, product hunt sent me like the trophy that you get for winning. Amazing. Um, so it's like a golden kitty, which is the product hunt um, sort of mm, mascot. So when when that arrived in the mail and I opened the box up and the kids saw it, they were like, they were like, they they were kind of amazed. They were like, you dad, you won an award and you got a trophy for it." I was like, "Yeah, I mean, it's not quite the Oscars, but it's but it's kind of amazing that 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 somebody would send you an award." Um, and so yeah, so that sat upstairs, like sort of in the living room for a while because my kids were kind of amazed that that somebody thought I was that good. And uh, I I thought it was. I, I that I was good good enough to have a trophy. <laughs> totally, and you should definitely put that pride of place in your uh, office at least, if not down <laughs> yes. in the lounge, living room. <laughs> it's it's it, it it is here now in terms of it, it lives with me now, but but for a while it stayed upstairs. <laughs> nice, very cool. So, have you got any other sort of side projects going on at the moment? You got found a path taking up a lot of your time, obviously, but you said you got time to do other things. What's what, what are you looking into at the moment? Yeah, I mean, so right now I'm I'm really, you know, in terms of long term, and it's actually, you know, this is me like using side projects even for Founder Path stuff as well in terms of like what might be important and relevant in the future as well. So, um, you know, I'm, right now I'm really interested in like the Web3 space because I think it's the next sure. iteration of kind of everything that we've been working up to up to, up to this point in terms of the internet and openness and being have have access to all of those kind of things so uh you know sort of um so nfts and DeFi and deso and stuff like that is i think is really interesting um DeFi in particular just because of my founder path stuff uh is really interesting to me right now because at some point people are going to stop uh raising money from venture capital and stop getting loans from banks and things like that. They're going to, they're going to log on to the internet somewhere and log on to some blockchain 
protocol and and suddenly have a way to have access to capital that they didn't have to in the past so that to me is really interesting because i don't know what that looks like i don't think anybody understands what that looks like yet but but for somebody like founder pass really it's really important for us to understand what that might look like um and so yeah so i've just been spending a lot of time kind of doing a deep dive into that whole spell in that whole world and that's that's even though it's like an evolution of kind of what what we've been doing with the internet and kind of web web 2 it's a it's an entirely new kind of wild west kind of as kind of as it is right now definitely i mean you caught i think you got my interest with um bit clouts recently and yes. the all that sort of things is it deso decentralized social networks yes exactly um, um and I, yeah, yeah i think i just chucked like 15 quid in just to see what what's this all about and i realized yeah, that's what decentralized finance is all about really throw money at it and see what happens right. Yeah, and, and and like I said, I mean, we're still, you know, probably still a few ye- years away from it being mainstream or anything like that. But mm. but like like with most waves, if you want to catch them, yeah, it's best to catch them early. Uh, like you know, in in 1997, 1998, you know, nobody really knew what the internet was was or kind of what it could be. By by the time it hit, um, you know, all of the yeah, yeah people feel like me have been doing it for a few years and really you know kind of really had a good handle on it i think that's what i'm trying to do with this stuff as well it's like nobody knows what it's going to be but you kind of know that it can't be stopped at this point because that wave's already crescendoing and uh it's kind of hit soon um and and so i just want to try and get uh get on that wave as as kind of early as i can (laughs) Yep, and you don't want to miss the boat either with a metaphor of waves as well. It's here now. Yeah. People are doing stuff with it, and I think I even saw PayPal today say they, they're accepting cryptos in some shape or form. But well, if those kind of guys are doing it, we can't ignore it, and I'd rather be in it now than after. It's all kind of crashed effectively. Right, right. And and, and yeah, like I said, even even if you don't know what it is, I mean, like just being involved with it, it's, it, it kind of reminds me of, of 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 the same kind of thing where it's like nobody knew what twitter and facebook would would kind of be, become ultimately nope. but you know i signed up for twitter in like 2008 or 2009 i think yeah i i didn't use it for like good two or three years after really i mean i signed up for it and i was like well this is kind of interesting but not really what i'm not really what i'm interested in right now but I had an account, I had my username, I had it all like locked up. And then when it became popular, I was like, oh, well, I'm already here. You know, like I've been here for ages. <laughs> but, um, and I, I think it's the same with this. Like, I mean, even now it's like, well, if I buy a handful of NFTs or whatever, they probably won't be worth anything now, but in five or 10 years, I bet you they're worth a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I think like you, I was, I was intrigued by the social network, Web 2.0, back in those late noughties. So yeah. again, just play with it and see what, what's, what where it's going to go. And people are still fascinated by the fact I've got SI as a Twitter name. How the <laughs> hell did you manage that? I went, got in there early, mate, just to see what it was all about. And luckily, it worked out, you know. Right. But um, yeah, I didn't do it for that reason. It was just like, yeah, right. early adopting is in our nature, I guess, as some yes. techno geeks from the 80s. You know, we, we love to see what, where it goes and try and play around with things, which is effectively what side projects are all about for me. And, and and you have an inkling, right? Like, I mean, like it's it's not yeah. like it's complete. It's not like you're just tr- trying everything out there. Like, there's some things that you just see and you're like, "That's gonna work." Now, whether it's that particular, you know, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you you don't know which which thing will actually end up winning, but you know that 
social media was going to be a thing and you knew yep. that you know sort of ethereum and blockchain and that technology is going to be a thing now whether it's bitcoin who wins or ethereum or wins or polygon or you know who the heck knows like that's that's about oh, my <laughs> pay grade but i know blockchain yeah. is the future uh, you know and and so just uh, understanding the space and understanding who might win you know so throw a little bit into ethereum throw a little bit into bitcoin because ultimately if they win you're you're going to be glad that you uh that that you that that you threw that little little bit in there as well <laughs> bit of time right yeah that's a fair point um yeah. i just realized we've been going on for, for 45 minutes so just <laughs> one final question i guess for you is what would be your one major tip for anyone that wants to make time for side projects uh yeah i mean i I think what most people fall down is I think we talked a little bit about in terms of like, you know, like just trying to do too much in terms of learning something new and launching something mm. and stuff like that. I think the other thing that people uh, struggle with is like, I don't have any time, right? Like, and it's, and it, yeah. I understand that you're like, I've got a, I've got a job, I've got a family, I've got friends. I want to go hang out with them. I want to go do things. Um, it d- doesn't really take a lot of time. Even if you spend 30 minutes a day, half, uh, you know, like, if you spend an hour a day, it's amazing how much progress you can make. Um, so that's the one thing I would tell people is like, just do it <laughs> because even though you think you JFDI. need a lot, yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it, and ultimately it doesn't really take as long as you think either. Like I think people are like wait, Oh, it's going to take me months to build this side project and, and, and things like that. No, it look, I mean, it, it seriously, I mean, the, 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 the state of tech these days, uh, it's really it's it's really easy to build things uh, and totally. really fast as well and and you don't even need tech to build things right like with all these no code options and things like that um, you don't need to be an engineer you don't need to be somebody who has the sort of skills to build things to build things anymore um, and so that's even though I got started really you know early um, and really young uh, I think I think a lot of people are leaving. A lot of option, a lot of potential on the floor by not just start. Yeah, even if, even with things like social media, right? Like the sooner you join, the sooner you start posting, the the quicker you'll get followers and the quicker you'll get people that you meet online that you can that you can work with with on projects and things like that as well. Um, but but people, I mean, I know I wait a long time to really get active on social media, even though I signed up for Twitter really early on. And, you know, those are the kind of things I wish I had done. Uh, kind of earlier just building up the audience and and kind of things like that uh because then when you do launch a side project now you actually have you know like somebody to go look at it as well which i think is really the sort of other side of things that you know people like me of us you know i I think did struggle with for a long time in that just because you build it no they won't just come right like you kind of do have to build that audience uh sort of up front so that you can put it out there and and people will will kind of respond to it hopefully but uh, but yeah, so that that's that's the thing I would I would kind of recommend to people is yes, you need to make uh, progress when you can, but mm. do, do it now. But then also also think about like who your audience is as well. Two very good pieces of evidence uh, advice there actually. Sorry. Um, so one, find the time and just get on with it, and two, make sure you get it out there because otherwise you don't know if it's going to work anyway. Right. Love right. it. Good job, Mubs. Thanks ever so much for your uh, advice and your backstories. Um, I'm hoping the listeners enjoyed. And uh, 
find it fascinating. If they want to reach out to you and see some other cool stuff you've been making, how do they do that? Uh, still active on Twitter now, more 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 so these days. Uh, so twitter.com slash Abashir Iqbal. Also on BitClout, uh, which is the the sort of de- decentralized social media that hopefully will 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 start to take hold of. Um, yeah. Also the same handle there as well. Um, and then in in true uh, hacker fashion. I built a website called iworkedon.com, which allows yeah. you to build like a little, a quick little portfolio of all the things that you've worked on. And so uh, if you go to iworkedon.com, you'll see a list of my, I think I, I haven't listed every project there. I think I've only got 99 listed there. Wow. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but there's, but there's a lot more that I haven't, I haven't listed there. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of places to find you then. And uh, we'll get all those links in the show notes as well. And I was going to say, I mean, my last thing, that 99 is purely side projects, right? So all the things yeah. I've done during the day jobs at the agencies I worked at and things like that, that's not included in that. So, uh, so yeah, so there's lots more. If you, I guess, I guess if, if, sorry, if you're that way inclined, you look, you can look, look at my LinkedIn as well if you want to, but, uh, Ooh, but I don't yeah. really spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. <laughs> nah, let's stick with Twitter and, uh, yeah, your, your own website. So that makes sense. Yes. Mubs, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Um, thank you for joining me on the podcast this week and, um, hopefully you enjoyed it as well. I did. I did. Absolutely. Yeah. And and absolutely, if anybody who's listening has any questions about side projects and, and building stuff, I do read all of my DMs and I respond when I can. I can vouch for that as well, because it was only through Twitter DMs that we managed to arrange this. <laughs> absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, Mubs. Good, good to chat. Thanks for having me on. It was so good to have Mubs on the Make Life Work podcast with us. Such an inspiration for any aspiring side project hustler with plenty pro tips on making it work amongst all these other commitments and enjoyments. You can always check out founderpath.com for more details about financing your SARS project or obviously follow Mubs on Twitter to find out more about many of his side projects. As for the podcast, we obviously love to hear your thoughts. Get in touch on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as at MakeLifeWorkPod. You can email hello at makelifeworkpodcast.com or even visit the website makelifeworkpodcast.com for all the show notes and archives. And please remember to rate and review us in your favourite podcast app. That concludes Season 7 of the Make Life Work Podcast. I'd like to thank all the guests we've had this series. Shari Mahima, Jamie Lyon and Wookie, Dan Moore, Sylvia Costa and Eli Ochula, and last but no means least, Mubs. I'd also like to thank all you lovely loyal listeners and any new time followers for listening along, plus my wife and kids for supporting this project during our downtime. I'll be back in 2022 for another five episodes with season eight of the Make Life Work podcast.